singing along gospel on this Bible study Wednesday, the last day of July, the 31st, in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look at Hebrews chapter 11. Now, before you start looking through the Old Testament books, Hebrews is a New Testament book. I know it sounds like it should be in the Old Testament, but there are a lot of passages that many of us think about. My favorite chapter is Revelation 5. The chapter I believe that really shows law and gospel well is Galatians chapter 3. My favorite Bible verse is in Habakkuk. And we can keep on going down where we have significant passages that help us in various situations. What is Hebrews 11 most known for? It's called the chapter of faith, where the writer to the Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, goes through a number of individuals from the Old Testament who had faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is not just believing there is a God. Faith, if you have faith in your parents, what does that mean? It means when they tell you something that you're going to be doing, you believe what they are saying. Faith, therefore, is really a trust in promises. Promises given to you by your parents, and that's also true in regard to the Bible. Proper faith is trusting promises from God. So, without further ado, let's begin with chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That really kind of helps us understand how faith is understood by God. How can you have the assurance of something hoped for if you haven't heard of what you are to be hoping for? I mean, I don't have the assurance and the hope that I could be a professional basketball player, say, six feet, ten inches high tall. No, I don't have that hope because, first of all, I'm only 6'2", and I doubt whether I'm going to grow another eight inches. So I can't have an assurance of things hoped for that I haven't been told. However, it's also the conviction of things not seen. Uh, for example, not long ago, one of the members of a congregation that I was attending indicated that there was this wonderful restaurant, and he eats there often, and we had just seen a uh, shut-in together, and we have a worship program uh, service that was starting, so he took me to the restaurant, but we only had about half an hour. Well, the first thing I did was I took a look at the menu, and I couldn't see anything on there. There were meals that was less than 
And normally I only pay that much if I have a big buffet. But this you had to choose just one meal. Plus, I knew I wouldn't have enough time to finish it. So I had a hope because it is a very good restaurant. A lot of people were in there. And I had never seen it before. And so I was kind of looking forward to going there. But unfortunately, we had to cut our visit short because of the worship service coming up. That's what faith is. When you hear from somebody about a place you're going and you're looking forward to it, that's the thing that you're hoping for, and it's a condition of things not seen. That's why we don't believe in Jesus Christ by sight. We believe in him through faith. Because we weren't there when he rose from the dead. We never saw him after his resurrection. But it's clear that he did from God's holy word. And therefore, that becomes our evidence that what God said he would do in the Old Testament, namely, put to death his only begotten son, he did do. And then what's the conviction of things not seen? We believe that our sins are forgiven. There's no evidence of that at all. In the sense that I'm no longer sinning? No, I continue to sin. If I really believe that, why would I ever want to sin? Because the old Adam is so strong within us. So going on to verse 2. For by it, now this is faith, the people of old received their commendation. What does that mean? Well, God chose them, and look at how he commended them. They were in slavery in Egypt. He took them through the Red Sea to the Promised Land. It took 40 years, but that's what their hope had been, and that was achieved, even though they were often disobedient during that time. But God made a promise. All the way back to Abraham. In fact, one can say even all the way back to Adam and Eve. Genesis 3.15. So verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, if that is not a clear verse in the Bible against evolution, I don't know what is. Because evolution teaches that things were made from things that are visible. Like some kind of fish, then became a reptile. Until you get to the point where maybe some monkey became a human being. But that's not what the Bible says. We just had a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod convention, and I was really happy to hear one of the resolutions adopted that we in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod continue to believe the Bible that God created the world in six natural days. Now, there was some argument at the convention that the word day could mean millions of years. But, of course, 
Scripture interprets Scripture shows that that can't be true. You know, you're to uh, work six days and then rest on the seventh. What does that mean? We got to work six million years and then rest on the million years Saturday? No, it doesn't make any sense. So we believe that God did create the world out of things that are not visible. Remember Jesus, verse 3, Genesis 1, let there be light, and there was light. And this was before the sun, S-U-N, had been created. So now we begin taking a look at specific people. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Now, there's not a lot of detail as to why Abel's offering was more acceptable than Cain's. Some people say, well, it was an animal and Cain didn't give an animal. Others say, and I believe it was, really the motivation. Abel did it with a faithful heart. He believed God's word to do an acceptable sacrifice. Cain apparently did not have that faithful heart. So God commended Abel by accepting his gifts. You see, later on, God did not accept the gifts of Israel. Remember that why there was a Babylonian captivity? Because they thought, well, we're religious. Uh, we go to the place of worship and we offer animals and grain and this sort of thing. But God makes clear he's not interested in that if you don't have a just heart. These same people were using balance scales that gave them more money than they should have been getting when they were purchasing or selling grain. So through his faith, we're talking about Abel, verse 4, though he died, he still speaks. That's why the incident is in the scripture to remind us that God desires acceptable sacrifices, not ones that are probably motivated by self-interest. Then we have verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up, that means into heaven, so that he should not see death. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must, here it comes, believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, this is really interesting because Scripture interprets Scripture that seeking him doesn't mean you make a decision to have faith. Let, let's think about that parable of the lost sheep. Who finds the lost sheep? Well, obviously the shepherd. But there was a close relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. Many of the sheep had names. The shepherd could call them. And that specific sheep would come to the shepherd. So there's no doubt when that sheep was lost that he was seeking the shepherd. But he had no ability 
to become found until the shepherd came and found him. And he was pleasing to the shepherd because he was doing what sheep do. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. The Bible verse I am thinking of in the New Testament, Jesus is talking, is in John. I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Now, what that means, and we're looking at faith, without trusting my promises, all your good works will be out of self-interest, and therefore you are able to do nothing that I consider as acceptable. Matthew 25, we need to look at that, the sheep and the goats. The sheep are commended for helping out the poor, visiting people in prison, etc., etc. Now, it is an error to think that goats never did those things. But they did not do it, as Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of these, my brothers, you do unto me. They had no motivation of doing it because the Holy Spirit was moving them. They were doing it out of self-interest. And what does that mean? It means maybe it was part of their job, or maybe they felt bad, but it wasn't because of love for Jesus Christ. So, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, faith isn't just believing in the existence of God, but also believing in his attitude toward us. In contrast to every other religion in the world where God is a just God giving you what you deserve, The God of Christianity is a merciful God, not giving you what you deserve, and a gracious God in giving you what you do not deserve. And he does that as he sees the faith that indeed he has put in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, we now move to Noah. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning as events as yet unseen. Now see there, we get back to the first verse. Noah was convicted of the things that God was saying that there was going to be a worldwide flood. So what did he do? He built an ark. And of course, he was derided for that. It appears there were no hardly any water in the area where he was building the ark. And yet he believed God. He had a certainty, even though he had no evidence of it, except God's word. So in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Reverent means it was religious. It was a fear knowing that the, wow, waters were going to overcome the whole world. Now that takes faith. 
It's a faith that many in Israel do not have. They come to the Red Sea, the Egyptians are behind them, and they start complaining to Moses that they're going to be put to death. And all that Moses does is he takes his staff, puts it over the Red Sea, and it divides, and they are able to cross on dry land. See, that's believing a promise which Moses had because he knew that these people were going to be taken to the promised land. But Noah was doing something else when he believed that an ark needed to be constructed. It's at the end of verse 7. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. What does that mean? I think the best example would have been Abraham. Abraham was told that Sarah, even though she was very old, was going to have a baby. She was past childbearing age. He believed it. And the next verse says, and God declared him to be righteous. See, this is a huge difference between every other religion in the world where God would make you righteous by your works, by your obedience. But in Christianity, you become righteous through faith, through believing the promises of God. So why was Jonah building an ark? He did it because he trusted the promises of God. Going on, Abraham. By faith, Abraham, verse 8, obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Remember, he lived in one area. God told him to go to another place. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Will you please show me anywhere that faith is not based on promises of God? It certainly comes true here. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God. Now, if you want to know more about that city, go to the book of Revelation. The foundation, of course, is Jesus Christ. And the various walls are the people who believe. And that's what he was looking forward to. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Where, where do we not see faith and promises connected? Faith is not believing something exists it's believing a promise, either that your parents gave you or that God gives us. So she also believed, even though she was past age. Verse 12, therefore from one man and him as good as dead, because when God came to Abraham, he was 75 years old. Sarah was 60, 
And Abraham and Sarah had a child when Abraham was 100 years old. It took 25 years. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now, that's actually what God was telling to Abraham, that through Isaac, he would have descendants as many as the sand by the seashore. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now, here it's talking about the kingdom of God that is to come, which will occur on the last day. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they never would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Jesus even says that to the disciples. I go to prepare a place for you. And then he's going to bring us to be with him in eternity. So there's some examples of great faith. We'll end with uh, Abraham, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Remember? He was willing to sacrifice his son. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, namely God's promise, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Now, why would he do that if he believed Isaac was a fulfillment of the promise? Why would he put him to death? And here's the answer, verse 19. Hebrews 11, Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back from the dead womb of Sarah. So what we're talking about here, even after he had been knifed and burned, Abraham believed that God would raise him from the dead. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. In other words, he was put in a coffin and he was asked, to be buried in the promised land to which they would be returning. And that took hundreds of years, of course, but that was because of a promise that God made. Next week, we may uh, continue with Hebrews 11 and finish with the faith of others. 
But the main point we want to be making today is that when it says someone has faith, they don't, that doesn't mean that they have faith in their own feelings, but rather they have a specific promise from God found in Scripture with no evidence at all except the Word of God. Because we are believing things for which there has been no visibility from our point of view. But the Holy Spirit has granted us faith, trust, to believe that. And that's what's important about Hebrews chapter 11. That faith is believing a promise that God gives. And it's through faith in the promises of Jesus Christ that we are saved and have been declared to be righteous before God. Faith, not obedience. On the next Long Gospel tomorrow, we're going to continue our conversation with Wes Reimnitz about the Bachelorette, who indicated that, no, she can fool around with other people because God still loves her. We'll examine that in more detail tomorrow. God bless. At 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.